So just before this podcast starts, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. Firstly, um, through to my technological problems, we do not have a full episode this time. Um, but I really wanted to post what we, we had from Steve because um, it's so fascinating to hear all about his um, epic, epic rides throughout a number of years for the highest annual mileage and all sorts of bits and bobs about riding tandems, Paris best Paris, how he dealt with sleep apnea nutrition and um, I'll talk a bit a little bit about those at the end. Um, so I firstly wanted to explain that yes unfortunately we did lose a large portion of this recording but I wanted to kind of give everybody a chance to hear what he'd got to say and say thank you very much for Steve for his patience with our issues um, and secondly as well that this is recorded outside as well so there's some extra noises in there too um, so I hope you still enjoy what we've got um, and yeah I'll give you a bit more chat at the end. Hi there, my name's Laura, I'm the back half of Stella Tandem and this is Stoked to Be Here. This is a podcast designed to talk to people from the world of endurance and long distance cycling in preparation for our trip, cycling around the world in 2022 and hopefully breaking the record at the time on Tandem Bicycle. I'm joined today by my front half, Stevie. Hello. And also by the amazing Steve Abraham who has the highest annual mileage for his age group for cycling throughout a whole year of 72,388 miles, which is a pretty epic feat. So he definitely knows a lot about endurance and cycling. Hi, Steve. Hello. How are you doing? All right. Thanks for joining us today. We might get a bit of background noise today because we're actually at a rather nice cafe sat in the sunshine, having all ridden hair, which I think is quite quite appropriate so um how how did it all start essentially how did you get into the crazy world of of long distance cycling <laughs> it's probably when i was about eight years old and saw the london marathon i wanted to uh, i saw the london marathon well, that looks good i like the idea of people running as far as possible which i thought a marathon was well, no one runs further than a marathon so i, I want to do that when i'm older and I also wanted to ride motorbikes for some reason. <laughs> and uh, I sort of like running and fantasy stuff. And uh, my dad started taking me out on my bike and I quite liked doing that. But I didn't really think much of it. And then I started going out with mates at school. And one day he said, you know, you got a bike? And I said, yeah, I've got a bike. Should we go for a ride? And we started riding and that. And uh, it sort of... We started riding around the village and uh, one day we sort of followed this old bridle way up to this green gate and the other side of this green gate was a road. It was a, sort of country, it was a country lane, it's not a big road. Because uh, of all the sort of fantasy stuff I was into at the time, you know, Lord of the Rings and Indiana Jones and all that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, I, sort of, I, I had to find out where this road went, you know, I was really excited about finding this sort of Opened the gates of Narnia to this new kingdom. So, where does the road go? Yeah, let's, go, let's go down this road. I sort of egged my old mate on, and he said, Oh no, we're getting a travel and all that. Lot. So <laughs> I sort of persuaded him to go down this road. And uh, he, sort of, he sort of convinced me to go back because he didn't want to get sold off and get grounded for all the summer. <laughs> so, I sort of went back there on my own and I sort of got addicted to it. I was like, oh, where does this road go? I found another road. Where does this road go? 
Yeah, I sort mm. of got into my dad's drawers and found his maps. My dad, dad wrote quite a bit as well. I, mean, I remember when I was really young, he went off on this long ride and I was upset because I thought you wouldn't let me go with him. He did about 160 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and I was about eight on this toy bike, you know. <laughs> I said, Dad, there, can I go? Well, why not? And he got back and I was... <laughs> he really enjoyed it, isn't it? Like, brilliant that ride, you know. All these big hills he went down. And I thought, well, let me come, you know. <laughs> I, I thought it was like we went down the common or something, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I sort of had all that in the back of my head as well, probably. Yeah. Then it just sort of spiralled out of control, you know. <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to do the most, you know. I was, you know, even running at school, I never wanted to be the fastest. I wanted to see how far you could go. I was always, mm. I was always in the distance and not speed. Mm. And then it, all, all, all of that put together, you know, the thing about distance and <laughs> finding new places and that, it, yeah. it sort of rolled into one, you know, the sports side of it as well, because I was into Bruce Lee and Rocky films and that sort of thing as well. So I sort of got, I didn't like sports at school, but I like the idea of, there was something in them films and that, you know, about pushing your limits and... Yeah. Going further. You know, that got me hooked as well. So I was try, trying to do all this stuff at the same time. So I all these things pulling me into it. And then you started um, riding the longer distances pretty young, didn't you? Like the old axe rides and things like that. I think you, you kind of joined well, that world from a, a young age. Wanted, I always wanted to do as much as I could. So I thought, what's, what's the most anyone can do? I was always asking that question. What's the most anyone can do? I thought... You know, I got to about 12 or 13 and I thought, well, it's got to be 100 miles a day. So let's do 100 miles a day. I did 100 miles a day. And I found out that someone had done 200 miles a day. Well, I've got to do 200 miles a day now. <laughs> so mm. I joined the CTC and all this sort of stuff and I did the, got into the cub runs and that. But I, I wanted to do long rides, you know, as soon as I joined the CTC. Oh, the reliability rides, 150 miles in 12 hours. I don't want to do that <laughs> straight away, you know. So I think I, I think that was the following year, but so I did the hundred in nine hours or something because I knew I wasn't weren't sure I was fast enough. So well, I've only got the, I want to do the distance. I'm not worried about speed. So I did the hundred mile reliability ride, and then, and then you know I started going mad on the CTC cup runs. I started leading them, leading them, and they got more and more extreme <laughs> until the sort of climax was going around the. The outside of the M25, where I was the only one that turned up. <laughs> then, then another step further, I tried to do 300 a day with someone else in the club, but I ended up in a right mess that day. And I was, I think I was ill, and uh, I'd been at work on the market as well the day before, setting off at two in the morning when you're not feeling very well. And I ended up in Chesham, uh, about 20 miles from home, and I couldn't go any further. I sort of sat outside the road about two in the morning and cold and drizzle. I said to me, friend, just leave me here. <laughs> you know, I was 16 at the time. <laughs> we ended up sort of sleeping on this stranger's sofa for the night and I sort of crawled home the next day. And, and that was the last straw for the CTC. Someone told me about this mad bunch called Ordak. <laughs> oh, you'd really like this lot. And of course, I joined Ordak. So, oh, what's the most anyone can do in Ordak? I saw what people did, I thought, well, you know, that's, they're in mad, no one can do that in a work full-time, you know, I had a full-time job then. So I thought, well, what's the most I can do then? So I did the SR series and ended up doing as much as this other mad bloke who I thought couldn't do it 
while working full time while I was working full time. <laughs> and it turned out that you can. <laughs> Fit a lot in, and then so how did you? How did that transpire to the highest annual mileage? So that's sort of the most number of miles recorded, um, ridden in a year, yep. and you, you go through the um, the Ultra Cycling Association for that, don't you? To get it verified and everything. Yeah, how did that. that? You do now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was fifteen on one of these CTC Cup runs, someone was talking about this man in the nineteen thirties who. Average about 200 miles a day. You know, um, you know, I always remembered it. They're, they're all saying, "No, he, you know, he's daft. He didn't want to do a thing like that." <laughs> the whole table sort of agreeing that it's a really silly thing to do. And, and I was just keeping quiet. I thought, oh, I really like the idea of that. <laughs> and that was averaging 200 miles a day for a whole year. Yeah, I, I really got the because they're all saying what a stupid idea it was. And now <laughs> you, you know, thought. Yeah, you, it can't be good do. for your health, you know, all this sort of thing. You're, you're going to kill yourself trying to do something like that. And, <laughs> and I was just sitting there quite thinking, cool, oh, I really want to have a go at that. What's that like, you know? <laughs> but so I sort of had that in the back of my mind while I was doing all this horde action. Uh, it took quite a long, quite a number of years to, to really oh, give it a crack then. Yeah, even then when I was sort of breaking all these old axe records, and I got into old axe and really struggled. I was in a sarsi, it was a really struggle. The first one I did, I really didn't find it easy. You know, that's still the, I still think it's the best thing I've ever done in cycling, is the first SR series. Oh, know, wow. that's, that's, that's given me the biggest high of anything. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, P, I've, I've... You know, PBs and the 10s, best 24 hour, you know, even world record and that. It, first SR was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got all my badges, so yeah, yeah. it's you're really proud, yeah, I, aren't I, you? I, you know, if I did one now, I, I'd be wondering what's wrong if I struggled, <laughs> you know. But, yeah. But the first one, I really struggled and I did it and because I thought yeah. that was the that was the thing, you know, and I thought all these other people that are doing 200 points in a year, I thought, oh, they can't be working full-time like I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I ended up going for... <laughs> No, over 200 point, points while I was working full time like they were. <laughs> uh, at, the back the of, at the back of my head, I was always thinking about this bloke in the 1930s I heard about. He did 200 a day for a year. Why me? <laughs> could, could I actually have a, could I ever even think about doing it, you know? And How did I, you eventually get that off the ground then? Because you got some sponsorship help and uh, a lot of people working with you, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Well, uh, I wasn't sure I'd ever get the chance, you know, because I, I, I really wasn't sure I could do it, you know. <laughs> Even when you're doing all this old action on the week weekend, you know, you, you spend the rest of the week after you wrecked. You know, I was doing 500-mile weekends, but for the rest of the week, I'm, in a, you know, a real wreck. <laughs> mm. uh, so I was still, you know, can I do can I do 200 a day for a year? You know, it's still, you know... You, it still doesn't bear thinking about, but I, <laughs> but I thought I, I still want to try, you know. And I sort of made noises about doing that and RAM and all this other stuff. And sort of Dave Barter, who re researched Tommy Godwin, he's written the book, book about the year record, you know, he's probably researched it more than anyone. He sort of got, got in touch with me and said, you know, let's have a chat about it. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, oh, good, this, this bloke's going to do everything for me and wave a magic wand and I'll go and be out to ride, you know. And I was wrong. But <laughs> what he made me realise was that if you want to make it happen, you've got to get off your ass and do it. So yeah. okay. I sort of think, all right. <laughs> uh, 
because I was a bit lucky and a bit clever, I paid my mortgage off before I was 40. Wow. So I thought, well, that's going to really drop my, you know, living costs down. So that's going to make it a lot easier. I thought, well, let's give it a go. So I thought, I've got to try doing it. Uh, I sort of thought about Chris Hopkinson as well. And I, was, I remember he started ultra racing and doing ram and that. And I was always a little bit jealous. Well, how come he's got himself doing ram and that? Because mm. I, what I thought about Dave Barter, I thought, oh, it's because he got off his ass and did it and he tried and he pulled it off. And I thought, why don't I give it a go? What have I got to lose? So I did and it worked. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then were you kind of training for it the first time around? Did you have time to do that? Um, or did you just kind of quit work and just set off and <laughs> have a good bash? Uh, I wanted to train for it. I did a lot. It was between sort of 2012 and 2014 I was really seriously thinking of doing it and Dave Bart was saying when are you going to get started you know when are you going, when are you going to do it and I was saying oh not this year I'm not ready yet you know mm. but what I was doing I was looking at heart rate monitors and that see what heart rate to ride at and testing the equipment out I mean I did a uh, one winter I think it's 2012 winter I tried to average uh, 200 mile a day uh, over the festive 500 week or you know we, have the Christmas break off and yeah. work. So I thought, let's smash myself over the pieces and see what I can do in winter when I'm not fit. <laughs> yeah. And I average about 180 a day. Yeah, that's including days off because I got so wrecked. <laughs> and it's every day rained heavily. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's really a good test for your equipment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I've got the. I was sure that I wanted to use Hope hubs and you know Hope bottom brackets because you know if you can get through that, got. Uh, I, problem was uh, wheels because uh, I wore a pair of rims out in that week because it, it was raining so much you know doing you know over a thousand miles in a week of torrential rain <laughs> think how much you're breaking yeah mm. and I just I thought well, I can't rely on rim brakes for a year if I get a week like that I'm gonna need a set of wheels every month you know <laughs> that's, that's silly mm. so I, I really had a problem deciding what to do with wheels until I met um, Mike Lane of Audax, who got the Audax points record, he broke my record. Yeah. And he said, oh, you want to use these tubeless things with disc brakes? <laughs> you know, he's, oh, I've done 30,000, he's got, he's disabled, so he can't mend the puncher. <laughs> so he, he basically road tested tubeless for me, and thought, oh, so good enough for him doing that, and he can't, and he can't mend the puncher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I've got some wheels that can, I can use faster wheels in the winter, uh, that, that aren't going to, you know, get me, you know, less time stop for punching. When I was doing these test rides, I used Marathon Plus tyres and I was getting no punches, but I was slow. I, I got behind, so I put some faster tyres on and I was about two hours faster every day, but I was getting punched every 100 miles. That was the mm. other problem that I was trying to get around. Yeah, so it sort of solved that. It solved, it solved the rim problem by using disc brakes. It solved yeah. the puncher problem and I could use faster tyres, which is give me more miles so that that was that uh, but I couldn't do any actual training because um, I just didn't have time um, mm. you know, it's the first time I'd ever done any gone the sponsored route I'd always you know paid me all that entry fees and done it because you know it's quite cheap yeah and I'd never done a thing like this before uh, <laughs> never gone for sponsors or anything uh, and I had no idea how much work it would take so I thought where I thought I'd 
sort of give up work and everything would be easy. I can, oh, I can do a six hour training ride every day. <laughs> no, nope, woke up in the morning, uh, just work flat out until I was falling asleep, go to bed, wake up next morning, work flat out until you fall asleep. And I was doing that for two months solid. Yeah. I lost five kilos in the two months leading up to the start because I wasn't eating, so I was just so busy. Incredible. <laughs> I was eating about once a day. And I was literally going flat out all day long. Absolutely mm. bonkers. Yeah, and it is, it's all the admin, isn't it? It's all yeah, the, the bits I, I and I really underestimated and... that. Yeah. And it, yeah. it was the first time I'd done anything like that. And you think how big a year record project is. Yeah. Not. It wasn't just setting myself up. We had to set the rules up as well. Yeah. Oh goodness. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Guinness wouldn't recognise it. He had to, the only people I could think of that would do it were the, uh, the UMCA. Then was the World Ultra Cycling Association. Now you know they, mm. they sort of regulate Ram and all these other big races and records. Mm. And the, because uh, on a normal UMCA record, you've got to have a follow car all the time. So we, we had to, <laughs> that's why we had the live tracker. And you know, there's always rules that are, we couldn't follow. So we had to work all that out. And there's a lot of really silly rules that are coming up that just wouldn't work. And Curtis Vogel nearly pulled out because you know, it just wouldn't work. Mm. So it's basically me, me doing all of the negotiating with the rules and trying to set myself up at the same time. <laughs> it was all new to me as well. And I, you know, even with about five people helping me, I was still, you know, full-time job and then some. Well, it's probably two full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the amount of hours I was going, literally 14, 15 a day. It was a, a relief to start. Yeah. Like, oh, I can relax now. All yeah. I do now is ride the bike. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because you started, was it the 1st of January 2015? Yeah, the 1st of January, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you started out. And then was it just pure relief at that point? Were you just yeah, relieved to get it, going? Or it was. I were was, you nervous at all? Or? No, I wasn't nervous because I'd done the test ride. Yeah. I thought, well, I know I can do, I had a schedule for about 180 a day mm. in January. Uh, and I knew that I could do 180 when I'm unfit because of what I've done in 2012 in mm -hmm. bad weather over worse ter terrain, you know, without all the support and that. And I thought, well, I know I can do that. And I, I know I can get fitter from doing that. So you can so for, keep your mileage at that through the winter. Yeah, if and I then... can stay on schedule, it should all work out. It didn't, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a, it, you know, a bit all, of a hiccup, every, wasn't there, quite early on, well, in unfortunately? You know, it's all going to plan, basically. Even though I wasn't as fit as I'd like to have been, the plan was to get fitter during the year anyway, because that's what it looked like Tommy Godwin did. Yeah. It was a record I was trying to beat. I thought that's what he did. It worked really well. So that that seems that seems to be the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. From what we know, there's so little known about Tommy Godwin as well, which made it a lot harder. You feel like looking at someone's power data that now and you know you've got all these an analysts that you it's all on strava now isn't it yeah you yeah. can analyze everything now but <laughs> yeah. for the year record there's nothing to analyze it's just num numbers that are... just written down yeah yeah goodness yeah yeah and then uh, yeah i kind of touched it but um yeah uh, horribly you were knocked off within well kind of the first three or four months yeah, weren't you so it's march, march. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah it was uh march and we, i know it was march because it took us a month to get a recumbent uh, yeah and um yeah it, that well, you broke you broke your ankle didn't you so that put you out of action for yeah, a fair about, bit of time until about a month yeah, yeah. Until we, got, we had to we was going to get a trike originally because we know someone in all steve steve fulton i think we were going to get a trike off of him yeah 
but the trouble is I can't ride a trike. <laughs> <laughs> Which for anyone who don't ride a bike sounds really daft, but <laughs> it's a different skill, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. The trouble is when you get because you're used to steering the bike where it leans. When you get on a trike and you get an adverse, you get a camera. The bike starts tilting, you the trike starts tilting you one way. You tend to steer that way. Yeah. So you end up sort of steering yourself off the road without realising what you're doing. Oh, goodness. And you think, what, what's up with this thing? Why is it sending me in? I'm trying, <laughs> you can't work out why you can't go in a straight line on it. Oh, I've tried riding the trike. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. a brick, recumbent, I know I can, you just sit on it and... <laughs> yeah. And that was to help your recovery of your ankle. Yeah, that, that was part of the plan. It's uh, A, you keep the miles going, and you can still, see if it's still look like it might be doable, and... Uh, be help, help me ankle recover. So, as I mentioned at the beginning, unfortunately, that's all we got from Steve before my phone um, gave up ghost halfway through, and we've tried to recover the audio and failed. So, we've missed out, unfortunately, about hearing about how um, how he continued throughout that year until he realised he just couldn't kind of make up the mileage um, to break the record. Um, set in 1939 um, and he discovered in the meantime as well that he was suffering from a problem called sleep apnea had to um, undergo some treatment and management for this to improve that to improve his recovery between day-to-days um, he reviewed his nutrition plan and went to kind of a very fat burning low carbohydrate diet which helped him on the road a lot as well and also um, had some coaching too which kind of structured his his training a lot more um, and this kind of all prepared him when he went back in 2017 um, he um, initially broke the highest monthly mileage cycling 7106 miles in 30 days um, and then proceeded to ride around the year and which is how he managed to achieve the highest annual mileage for his age group um, while he was he was riding this attempt um, he actually had a kind of a competitor in terms of Amanda Coker who he mentioned who is an incredible lady who um, carried out a similar thing in the United States but riding kind of a much more set route around local parks which on the face of it might have seemed a lot easier but Steve mentioned that she has um, some trials of her own in terms of um, some of the local wildlife alligators and things like that and had uh, he thinks it about a tougher job of it as he did. He was riding set routes so he had almost kind of six different routes every day and he talked about how he didn't really find that tedious monotonous but the the variety with the weather and having to plan around the wind direction and things like that every day and he would be riding for for 14 to 15 hours daily covering about 200 miles a day um and so his structure his food and his his um recovery played played a massive part in that um, he did manage to get sponsorship for the rides and um, he was very lucky in terms of that he'd already can pay the mortgage on his house to try and cover the costs of doing this all. Day to day now he, he um, gets quite a lot of income through delivery driving and talked about how he, um, he made the most of the Nando's boom in the pandemic where everybody ordering a Nando's could only get a delivery so they drive to the Nando's car park and get it delivered from Nando's door to their car um, and that was a, a big money maker during lockdown but it was fascinating to hear how he um, 
gets that balance of, of doing what he loves, riding his bike every day and, and making money from it as well. And I, I also know that he's involved in kind of local cycle food banks too and helps to deliveries there as well. Um, we did talk a little bit about tandems. He is not an inexperienced tandem rider and has in fact also rode a triplet. Um, so a bicycle made for three around a Paris Brest Paris um, with the um, rather famous Drew Buck as well. He's completed six Paris Brest Paris rides in his time and remembers them all fondly and has also been involved in many a uh, 24-hour time trial too, um, often riding these events on fixed wheel, which he's very passionate too. He's not quite sure what he's going to do next, but he's looking at um, some of the longer old axes and getting back into it all and getting back up to fitness um, and yeah, doing lots of riding his bike. So as I say, I, I know that's nowhere near the same as hearing the words from Steve's mouth himself. Um, and I know we've missed out on lots of interesting um, bits and bobs there, but I really am very grateful to the time that Steve did give us to, um, to interview him and for riding all, that, all the way to come and meet us as well. Um, so hopefully you've still enjoyed what was left. Um, this has also been a bit of a, a wrap up for now as well. Um, it's kind of become got to the point in the summer where everybody is out on their bicycles. So it's becoming harder and harder to pin down guests for the podcast because they're all out having too much fun. And we ourselves are having to focus on training as too. Um, we have signed up for All Points North. Um, which is happening in September, which is organized by a different gear in Sheffield. Um, so we will be in kind of full training mode <laughs> if we are, are in full training mode, um, but we will be um, yeah, focusing on training for that over the upcoming months and podcasting is going to take a break, I think until the autumn and hopefully I'll be able to pin down some more exciting guests for you. Um, if you've been listening or if you've, you've started listening and are catching up, I really hope you've enjoyed all the guests so far. Um, if you've got any ideas, if there's anything you'd like to hear about, if there's anything you think we can do to kind of improve this and engage you more, um, please do, do let me know. Check out, um, I'm trying to keep all the social medias all up to date with lots of exciting bits and bobs about our progress for planning for around the world. So do look at those, do like and follow, do share it with your friends. Um, and the same for the podcast too, because the more people we've got following us around the world, the more inspiration we can give and hopefully the more money we can raise for charity too. So that'd be awesome. So yeah, it's goodbye for me for a few months and we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>